The following program has been pre-recorded. This week on Belonging, we have Father Gabriel from the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. So I live at St. Joseph Friary in Harlem, New York, and we have people who come to our door and we uh, welcome them at the door. We also have provisions where we open up our doors. We have an organized time of both of prayer, uh, but also of feeding the poor. We have got St. Joseph's Table and St. Joseph's Cafe. This week on Belonging, next. This program is made possible by the generous donations of Jeannie and Bill Stasekel, members of Christ the King Parish in Nashville, and by a grant from the Cook Foundation. Take advantage of the many opportunities for young people in the Nashville Diocese to connect and find belonging. Like University Catholic, a community of college-age students who are serious about their faith and unite in fellowship and friendship to deepen their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Go to universitycatholic.org to find out more. You can also connect with young Catholics like you by attending events like Summit Music City. It's a night of music followed by adoration and reconciliation. It's free and open to young people of all faiths. Go to soundscatholic.com. To find the right young Catholic connection for you, call the Catholic Youth Office of the Diocese of Nashville, 615-645-9762. Hello and welcome to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio, the show for young Catholic adults in the Middle Tennessee area. My name is Zach Jansen. We're joined each week as we are by Father Gervon. Uh, this week, we're in a remote location filming from the Frasati House. Got a little bit of a different environment. It's absolutely pouring down rain today here in the middle of August. Uh, but this week, we have a nice guest on from New York, coming in a long way, and also from, from Jacksonville, uh, Father Gabriel. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh so you've been unfortunately having to live with Father Gervon the past couple of days, and enjoy, even though no one's ever home, are they? You guys? No, are no, gone. we are not. We always in mission. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what can you explain? Your what, what order of the priesthood are, are you in exactly? Yeah, I'm uh, a member of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Uh, I joined well now 23 years ago. Oh my god! Uh, I'm from Jacksonville. Went to Florida State University. It was there at Florida State that the campus ministry really helped form me and being a Christian. I remember back then, uh, we went through the whole catechism in a number of years, but really presented in the way that uh, college students are able to to hear it and make it very applicable to life. And I, we had great even teachers. There's a, a man by the name of Father Thomas Dubay who gave us a retreat. He wrote books on prayer, a uh, very spiritual man, but both you know learning what the church teaches, but also why it teaches and how do you live it out in today's life. So were those college years for you, were they very uh, formational in your in your decision of your, of your vocation, would you say? Were you in your early 20s? Yeah, part of it was pivotal. I think everything led up to it, but for I was asked to live in a summer household. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, it was like 12 guys, like the apostles, uh, living together. It wasn't a house of discernment, just really a house of prayer. But in that, you had community life. Yeah, uh, I shared a room with between two and three people. We even moved rooms. Uh, have different experiences and we had like shared chores and we had a commitment to go to mass every morning together mm-hmm. uh, to be uh, at prayer in the evening as well we prayed evening prayer and we had uh, take turns cooking for the whole house Saturdays we had uh, recreation in the afternoon but chores in the morning wow. and a little teaching after after mass on the Saturday mornings and then uh, we had a lead Bible study 
uh, and had a commitment to a men's group as well. So just was, it was quite an intense summer. And it was just really an eye opener because before that, when you're a college student and you're just, you know, you're setting your own schedule, you have your own plans to reach those certain goals, mm. but there's not a lot of thinking where the other is at and living for the other and being mindful of the needs of the other. So it made me aware of how selfish I was living unintentionally in so many ways, but to think of the other and to live this community life and it really opened the door for me to know about myself in so many ways and, and how community life is. And that kind of gave me a little foretaste of a religious life, which was very much of, of, of a community life. Can you speak more about that, that topic of selflessness? I think that's something that so many college kids definitely think the opposite. It's, it's uh, such a torture to think like me, me, like uh, being consumed in your own selfishness, which is what I heard is what almost what hell is basically is just is thinking of only yourself. What is it like to, to live for others? I guess in your community specifically of 12, what, what do you think about young adults today? How we can think, yeah. think not of ourselves. In decisions? First goals are really important. Mm -hmm. They motivate us to, uh, to, to reach a place and to set the steps to achieve those places. Mm -hmm. But we always are called to broaden our perspectives. And like I was just sharing with the, the missionaries today, uh, at, at brunch right after, actually right after father had left father joined us for brunch, but <laughs> I was sharing how in the seminary I had this seminary professor, uh, sister Sarah Butler, who helped me even further broaden my perspective, broaden, uh, from thinking about myself and my own ways of thinking, but to, to place myself in the shoes of others. And, uh, I had a directed individual studies, basically a private course with her. And she, uh, well, the, first of all, I guess the reason of what I wanted to do it is because in seminary I had a lot of classes that were just very on that particular subject and weren't really weren't able to dive deeply. And so at the end of the seminary, I wanted to know, how does all this fit together? And as a priest, so I chose the topic of uh, Christ as victim and priest. Mm. And in the 1990s and 1980s, there's a lot of scripture scholarship that tried to separate faith and history and try to make to study Jesus apart from through the lens of faith. So she had me read all these books. Some were just very basics on, on soteriology, on the theology of salvation, mm. on the saints and the church fathers, solid teachings. But then she also had me read books that were not according to the, to the faith. But she did it. She told me that, okay, you're, you're, not, you're going to find things that are against church teachings. And I'm not asking you to believe any of that. Hmm. But what I'm going to ask you to do is to, as you read them, try to find the legitimate good they're trying to achieve. Hmm. But then propose legitimate steps to achieve this goal that your brother and sister is, is looking to achieve. And it it kind of really helped me put myself in the shoes of the other and broaden the perspective that I have, that I'm not just, we're in this world, we're in this secular world, we're, in, we're with uh, brothers and sisters who don't think as we do. And rather than just put up my guards and have be armed with kind of like what the church teaches, but try to listen mm -hmm. and try to understand and try to be with as I can without compromising anything but at the same time, trying to build a greater level of solidarity. And 
this is what we're called in, in re, even in religious life. We may have maybe maybe we don't have a difference in theological perspectives, but we do come from different backgrounds, different cultures. I'm I'm a son of immigrants, and yet we have uh, I've brothers in my community who've been fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth generations Americans. Hmm. And so just to realize that I see differently and, and even ways that I own, that I communicate, I may intend one thing, but they may receive it differently hmm. and just try to put myself in, in their shoes and try to really, really build community and to gain from the treasure of their experiences as well. Yeah. And I think it's especially interesting to see that because nowadays, you know, on Facebook or whatever you go, it's like, oh, if you don't think like me, I'm going to block you i'm going to exclude you as my friend and, and that would allow yeah you can be with other people even if you disagree with other people it doesn't make that person an evil person or but we are called to yes understand that other person and see okay there is a good because you two were created by god how can we get that together yeah. where, where is that good that is on you that we can somehow th- there, because we were all created by God, we'll find something that is in common and we can make it work. Exactly. So I think a big example of call to understand the other person is the, is the group that you mentioned right away as soon as I met you. The reason, I guess, why you're here is, that, is the, the group focus. Is that, am I correct? Is what brought you here to Nashville? Uh, what, what role is that playing in your, in your ministry right now uh, as a priest as far as being involved with focus? Sure. I'm a, I'm a part time uh, chaplain with focus. And, uh, what that the primary responsibility is to come here to see how the missionaries are doing to provide spiritual direction. So uh, in my couple of days here, I've, I've met with all of the missionaries. I maybe a couple more left. And how are uh, they doing? Are they're, they doing? they're doing well. <laughs> of course, all that's confidential. Yeah. I guess, uh, are they are they just starting half of, are, are some of them? Yeah, this year they came, uh, training this year is a little bit different. So they've been here for about a month. Mm-hmm. But just kind of getting together and having classes and training and, you know, but, you know, classes start uh, August 25th. Because they don't know each other, do they? The, the missionaries that come in, I guess, necessarily, they, they, they have to spend time to... They spend time together, yeah. So they mm. got they had a couple of weeks of training in Ave Maria, Florida. Mm. And then that's where they know. They started training without knowing who they're going to be their teammates. And then by the end of training or mid of t- training, whatever, they will know who are going to be on their uh, team. And then be after that, they kind of go through and start to know each other and, and come here and finish the training about a month of training and classes and all that. And then they start to kind of know the campus and what are, you know, who are the people here and all that stuff and how would you ministry hmm. at University Catholic and then you start to get ready for when the students arrive. Well, because we've had so many on our show already from last year from, from Vanderbilt and Belmont and all of them have been amazing. Such great witnesses to the faith in their own life, but also just the, the, the goal to mentor uh, these younger students. Is that, is that just part of their daily living of wanting to wake up? As I guess so the students are starting next week, huh? So yeah. Just, geez, so what is their mindset going into it now? How, is how can I serve the, these college students here? It's, it's both how to serve, but they also, they come as, you know, some just graduated college. Mm-hmm. And you're just trying to, how do I live faithfully the Christian life? Hmm. And how do I journey with, how do I walk with these college students who mm-hmm. are just a year or two or three years younger than me? Mm-hmm. And one, on one hand, trying to, to, to help disciple them, to help uh, have them follow Christ and, and 
encounter to see where they're at and what are the, the ways that they're best able to receive the gospel and to share the gospel with them. So it's not an easy call, I guess, to answer. Really. I mean, you're essentially sacrificing almost two years of your life, really, in a way. I'm sure they're all really excited, but do any of them ever get cold feet at all and think, well, this is about to start, and uh, this is a lot of years that I might be missing, but more importantly, what I'm give, what I'm giving and also what I can get out of it too. Um, are they are they scared in a way of what might be coming up? Do you see that at all? Yeah, I mean, one of the things they do is called barehanded evangelization. You go out on campus with, <laughs> with your bare hands and you try to strike a conversation. Oh, gosh. And uh, it's, it's no easy task, and especially if you've never, uh, have had little experience with it, it can be quite intimidating. Mm, I know I, I always hear it in mass, right? They'll, they'll scout you out if you're by yourself and they'll say, get this kid to the, to the meetings or whatever, or some of them that are not Catholic, they'll say. But you know, I think that, for us, it's not about numbers, mm-hmm. you know? It's not about, you know, and we see some denominations do this, oh, you have, this is your goal. You have to talk about uh, Jesus or five people. What we do is, like, we really are interested in people. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to grow a friendship with you, mm-hmm. you know, because I know Jesus. Jesus has transformed my life, and I want you to have that same experience that I had. I forget that they're, they're people too. Like like you were saying, they were just there a year, uh, two years ago in, in their same shoes and how can they walk with them? So what is what is their prayer life like? Are you seeing it as focused missionaries? I mean, are they, are they starting their day off exactly with yeah. these, these holy hours? It depends on which campus, but every day they, they pray a holy hour together and then they have their own uh, catechetical and spiritual formation, the spiritual reading that they have, but also catechetical, just going through the catechism and going through different teachings that they have to have to learn. And then the sacraments, confession and mass every day. And then they have their own retreats. Both, both they put on retreats for the students, but also for their own personal uh, and spiritual growth. And what, what are you seeing? I know I've seen it too personally as a student here, where these missionaries go. What, what is kind of their mindset, either if they keep going as a focused missionary or for some reason they decide to move on? Are they, they're very serious about where they want to go with their vocation in life once they leave this program. Do you see that as far as they're ready to go out into the world after they've spent their time as a missionary? Yeah, we we try to lead them for lifelong mission. Mm-hmm. You're, all, you're always a missionary. Yeah, yeah. The, lifelong mission. And in that, you kind of like help point them into places. How do you bring the faith to the workplace? Mm. Like it's important that they not only, you know, have those these great experiences of the faith, in college, but now how do you dialogue with, with if you're in a workplace and no one else is a practicing Christian or mm-hmm. maybe, a, maybe a nominal Christian or nominal Catholic, how do you engage with them? How do you share the gospel with them? How do you enter into relationships with them? And your own family life, how does that look like? Mm-hmm. And how do you foster the Christian life uh, within your family life and, and be, uh, you know, be, be a good father, be a good mother? A lot of the missionaries, I don't think anyone here is married, but, uh, but, but a lot of the missionaries are married themselves. And so they would invite them into their uh, homes and see how married life is, is lived out. And that's, I've, I've heard from many students how they have been such a, a role model to them and learned in many ways how to be a good father, a good mother through, through the family life they've witnessed. Um, well, so how, how do they do that, I guess, on a, on a daily basis? I know I kind of hinted at it like t- towards mass that they might find someone and not necessarily like numbers like you said get as many as you want but how much do they focus on like 
each individual relationship every day instead of saying, let's get a hundred people in here just to say we have that many people for a, a dinner or an event. But are they really intentional about, I want this one person, you know, to, to, to do better, to be more serious about their faith. Are, are they living each day intentionally and choosing each relationship intentionally with the yeah, they, they truly strive to invest into the relationships, but they're looking also for the other person's response. Hmm. So is the person, uh, is the person serious about pursuing the faith? Hmm. Are they responding when they meet in discipleship to some of the counsels that are given to them? Hmm. And is their life outside of, you know, those meetings reflective of someone who is striving to live the Catholic faith. And as long as there's sincerity and reciprocity, mm-hmm. then there's going to be a continued investment. Or, but in, when, it, when it falls a little bit, but there's going to be a little bit challenging. And then after the challenge, okay, is this person responding? Is this person serious about living out the faith? And so what is your life like uh, back in New York? Is it, is it similar here as far as there's a, there's a campus to ministry? Or how, how does your work differ up there? Well, there's a lot of campuses. Like I, within probably in... Probably thirty or forty campuses in New York City area. Yeah, uh, in, I would say in the New York City area, but but seven or eight focus that have focus on them, mm. including like West Point and yeah. NYU and uh, Columbia University. It just goes on and on. Uh, so I, I'm a part time focus, but I'm full time friar. So th- that's <laughs> the, the, that's my so what what was that? What does that mean? What does a friar mean? Francisco friars of every new. What is your carries? What do you do? What you know, tell more about your life. Well, I hope we have a couple more hours. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, primarily, our work is the work of evangelization. There's two pillars in the work with the poor. Hmm. So I live at St. Joseph Friary in Harlem, New York. And we have people who come to our door uh, primarily during the day, but sometimes they feel at any hour. They don't necessarily have their own schedule. And we uh, welcome them to the door. We also have provisions where we open up our doors. We have an organized time of both of prayer, uh, but also of feeding the poor. We have got St. Joseph's Table and St. Joseph's Cafe. St. Joseph's yeah. Table is when we really kind of like open up our whole courtyard and have a full meal with them. And we try to sit with them. We don't need a whole lot of volunteers because, you know, we have 50, 60, 70 people and we make the meals uh, and we, we, we serve and sit down with them. And then afterwards, we have Bible studies, uh, Bible study in Spanish and a Bible study in English. St. Joseph's Cafe is on the other days of the week where it's just more simple, simple uh, sandwich and coffee, and, but also a way that they can just come and go for hours and we can just be with them. The other ministries we work, we go to the different areas that are nearby where there's probably clusters of poor and homeless and those many who struggle with addictions and just to be with them, to pray with them. Uh, and then we go to the the projects hmm. uh, or public housing and to be with them where they're, they have this little room uh, themselves and there's shared bathrooms and shared common areas and to be with them in those places, especially to go to those places because those who may not feel comfortable coming to the friary, we're able just to reach out to them and to show that we're approachable. I remember one time watched the Super Bowl <laughs> in the projects. So you, this this one small room, but we left the door open. There's a television uh, there with the Super Bowl, but the neighbors would come and we just invite them to for them to be with us and to chat with them. And especially those who wouldn't come normally to, to the friary, they see that 
it gave them, I pray, an experience of not being judged because they come from very different backgrounds mm-hmm. uh, and very, yeah, different uh, beliefs, but to have the experience of being received as they are. That's powerful. He said, you go there just to be with them. Because I'd imagine so many, especially if the poor, just have a feeling of being unwanted. Like it's just who would want to, you know, spend time with me or, or share a meal with me. So what does that mean to, to them to have someone that actually invests and what, what their hopes and dreams are and what's on, on their mind. Because there's, sometimes there's not much you can, other than a nice meal, maybe there's not much you can exactly do for them. But what, what does that mean to just be with them and, and know who they are? Yeah, their greatest poverty is not the material poverty. Yep. They're really not even there uh, for the food. Hmm. Like I, I remember like when we, during the pandemic came, we had to make adjustments, which was heartbreaking. So we would still provide food, but we'd have to, hand it to them and we had to very limit our communications and they'd be just hanging out outside the door. Mm. I mean, oh, waiting for a brother to leave. And <laughs> it's not about the food, it's about the communication, be there. Yeah. It's about that human contact. So that's a big, you the say it's not the material poverty. Contact, to huh? be known and to be recognized and to be journeyed with. Because they can be in the, you know, a facility, a building with 60, there's one that has 60 that's on one end of the street and the one that has 120 people living in it and they can feel so lonely. But it's really about, since some brothers are, have a tremendous gift. We have one brother who you know, comes from a rough background, but it's because of his own background that he is so approachable to those who are broken and is able to, to journey with them and to love them, not as anything, I'm doing something for you, but really that they are a gift to him. And, and, and know by name and all that stuff. It's yeah. not about the food. It's not about the money. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we just, oh, here it is, five bucks. Probably for that person will be more valuable if you sit down with them and say, who are you? What? What's your name? I have a friend in Brazil. I think we told this, told you guys this before. I have this friend in Brazil that he would you know, go to eat with people in homelessness situation. And he would go and he would buy food for two. You know, you could in the food, drink, and dessert, and he would sit down with them and eat. Mm-hmm. He's like, those people don't need my food. They need me. They need my company. You know, so it's like if we change that mentality, it's like, whoa, yes. You know, that's not about the food. It's not about the money. It's about I recognize you as a human being, as a person, loved and created and loved by God, mm. and I'm spending time with you. It's not about my five bucks that I will give you. Because anybody can give five bucks, mm-hmm. but it's being with them. And, and, and I mean, that's what we do in college ministry as well, you know? You read my yeah. mind. That's, yeah, that's it's, be that hey, I care for you, you know? Time. What's wrong? Why are you sad today? You know, do you need to talk? Mm-hmm. And so many times, and I think, Father, you 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 see this. Thank you so much. Like, I just spent 15 minutes with you, and you just listen to you. I feel so much better now that I talk to you. You know, it's like... <laughs> Okay, the ministry of presence, just be there with people and say, I'm here for you. Mm. I probably can. And then I think it goes back to, we especially men, we want to fix stuff. You know, and then we talk to people, it's like, oh, I have this problem. In our minds, like, okay, this is how I'm going to fix this. And a lot of times it's not about that. It's just like, I just want somebody to hear what's going on in my life today. It's not about, I don't want anybody to fix anything. I just want to have that company and say, Thank you. Thank you for being here with me, you know, and, 
and I, I think Father, he's a specialist on spirit direction. That's it. That's what spirit direction is about. It's being here with you and walk the walk with the person, you know, not necessarily telling them what to do, but just be here and say, yes, I hear you. Mm. And I, I suffer because you're suffering. I'm happy because you're happy. And I'm here to walk the walk with you. Well, that's powerful to think that you could just uh, fix uh, either the situation, like you mentioned, and what you see all in, in Harlem and, and the poor, or, or spiritually too, just to say, here, uh, here's a, say a rosary, then I'll see you later in a week and you'll be fine. But people want to be known, huh? What does it mean to not want to fix someone? And maybe, maybe in what you see in, in New York, but to actually to know them, not to say like, I'm going to change. You don't need to be changed. We're all broken. Like it means clearly, I believe that they, you reflect their dignity to them. You allow them to become aware of their own dignity and to have them have the experience of being loved as they are. We're not called, I just said, uh, we're not called to be fixed, we're called to be redeemed. Hmm. I just came, before I came here, I was in, I was in Florida and with a community called communica, uh, Chinaclo community. Yeah. And uh, so I spent, I've known them for 30 years and yeah, they come from really, really difficult backgrounds. All of them struggle with addictions and just the blessing for me just to see it's not about getting fixed ourselves. We come from different backgrounds and sort of great brokenness. It's about, we have to, some other trees we're called to love much. Mm. And it's in that loving that we fulfill our vocations. Sometimes we can have these other, you know, well-intentioned goals, but we're here for the work of salvation. That's powerful to think to love them as they are. I think sister Miriam, the speaker has a beautiful book, loved as I am, you know, not, in spite of all my past and whatever brokenness I am, it's it's who I am today. It's the, who I am in the future. For, so for sharing your testimony, uh, your witness to the faith, Father Gabriel, thank you for being on the show today and for telling all that all that you are. So yeah, we we thank everyone in our in our listening audience uh, to remember that that call we have to love, to serve, to know people for who they are, as to know their heart, to love a little more selflessly. We thank you to Father Gervon as well for all he does uh, with, with the Focus Missionaries here to minister so many uh, young college students. Remember, you can find our show wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Belonging for Young Catholic Adults or finding us online at WBOU.org and 100.5 FM. A special thank you to Jim Chandler, who does a lot for our show. My name is Zach Jansen. Thank you for listening to Belonging on Nashville Catholic Radio. Shining the light of our Catholic faith in everyday life. This is Nashville Catholic Radio, 100.5 FM, and streaming at nashvillecr.com.